Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So welcome to the Queen Bee's podcast. Oh, thank Indra you, Indra Ove, star of stage and screen, and also one of my bestest buddies. Oh, it's so nice. Thanks, Indra, for coming. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Esther. Oh. I'm a bit nervous because I think it's a bit highbrow, all of this, for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you've said that, Indra. Long, hot days in the shade of some big old tree. Making daisy chains and watching all the honeybees. We've also got Lenny the dog here, who is actually um, just about to lick the microphone. <laughs> yeah, so um, shall we just sort of tell the listeners, Indra, how we know each other? Do you want to sort of explain your part first? Well, we met at the school gates, didn't we? We We, did. we and it was the nursery, wasn't yeah. it? And yeah, we spotted each other at those <laughs> school gates. Our kids are the same age. It was our yeah. big kids, wasn't it? It was yeah. Che and Gloria going into nursery. Mm-hmm. And we met... Oh, God, do you remember the actual day? Do you remember I can't remember happened? the date, but I always, I always remember... But I remember spotting you. I remember spotting you, but I'd spotted you before because right. when we were at college, um, yeah. I was at Radra and you were at Central. And I was at Central, yes. And, of course, um, after you left Central, you were very glamorous and you went off to Hollywood, didn't you, to do... Um, Interview the, the Vampire. In, in, Interview, sorry. And um, I remember thinking, oh, my God, Indra Ove is at our nursery. You were highbrow. <laughs> you were so highbrow. <laughs> And then we sort of, we soon found out that we had so much in common, didn't we? Because we both were like, we're into natural birth. Yes, yeah. And we both done that with our kids. And also, I remember, you could have been Brad Pitt's wife, couldn't you? I could have been Brad Pitt's wife. Yeah. Can you tell us oh that story? God. It was so good. Oh, it was so crazy. So we, we shot Interview of the Vampire in Pinewood, which was absolutely amazing. So these enormous sets and glamour and fantasticness. And there was major security because Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt were shooting at Pinewood. So, you know, the whole of Pinewood was covered in heavy security. Anyway, well, firstly, I remember the first day I arrived (laughs) on set and I'm super young, you know, I've just left drama school and I'm walking down one of the corridors in Pinewood Studios and I see Brad Pitt coming towards me. Oh, my God. God. And this was at the height of his career. This is when Brad Pitt had just been discovered. He'd just done Thelma and Louise and had the sexiest arse in the whole world, right? And we were all in love with him. Everyone in the world was in love with him. And there he was walking towards me, and I felt my heart going. And he came over to me, (laughs) and he went, hey, you must be, you know, coming to do the scene today. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what's your name? And I said, it's Indra. He said, Indra, that's an amazing name. I'm just Brad. I was like, (laughs) yeah, wow, you're just Brad. So after that, he was incredibly cool and open and friendly. And actually, our dressing rooms were very close, so we became very friendly. And the scene was epic. And 
though it's one scene, it took us about two weeks to film it. Did it? Yeah, 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 because it was so incredibly complicated. Can you tell um, us a bit about that scene? Yeah, I well, mean, one, it's, it's very, that. very... Within the film, it's very glamorous. Both the vampires, Tom and Brad, are in this incredible mansion, 18th century mansion. And it was me and actually Helen McCory yeah. in the scene. And we were playing these two very glamorous <laughs> ladies of the night. And at that point in the film, Tom Cruise is encouraging Brad to go on the vampire journey. Brad Pitt is having deliberations and doesn't want to eat any more humans. So they've got this kind of thing between them. One's trying to stop eating humans, the other's trying to encourage him to eat humans. So Tom Cruise brings these two fabulous women, that's me and Helen McCory, to tempt Brad to eat to dig his teeth into us. So uh, Helen McCory gets killed and eaten very, very quickly. And then I have this enormous, long, stretched-out film where they're kind of tormenting me and Tom's tormenting Brad was seducing me and eating me. Oh, it so it was very erotic. Oh, it was, it was incredibly erotic, yeah. And it was homoerotic and sexual and, and dangerous. And, uh, and the shooting of it was very like that. I mean, it was, it was an extraordinary film to work out. And also, you also had this great tension between Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt because, of course, obviously, Tom Cruise is a very established actor. Brad Pitt was coming up. So Tom had this rather beautiful young actor, you know. So all that was used in the scene. So that created the enormous kind of friction and tension on set. And did you know that you fancied him at that point? Oh, you Brad. Brad? Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. Well, as soon as I saw him on film, on the way he's a fancied him. Yeah. Then he was walking down the corridor. I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, this man. I mean, he was utterly gorgeous. And he was cool and open. And, oh, my God, he was, he was stunning, Esther. <laughs> And then, so so we're doing the scene on and on, weeks and weeks. Everybody's working incredibly hard, long hours. You know, we get there at four in the morning to get all the makeup done and the hair because mm-hmm. everything was absolutely authentic. All the makeup they were using was authentic to the 18th century. All the clothes were sort of sewn onto us and handmade. So, you know, everything took time. And anyway, there comes a weekend. So it's now Thursday or something and the weekend's looming. And Brad comes up to me and said, so, Indra, are you going to take me out this Friday night? Oh, my God. God. What did you do? Oh, my God, can you imagine? I mean, he asked me to take him out. So I was like, oh, my God. Well, I was like, yeah, of course, Brad. At which point I was like, right, I've got to get on the phone and make a million phone calls (laughs) and design this night. It's got to be the best night in the world. Now, I'm in my 20s. I'm in my early 20s. I'm like 23 or something. So I was also... Thanks, S. I was also very big on the club scene back then. So Mm. I was really clubbing a lot so I knew a lot of guys who were running nightclubs Mm. DJing so I phoned every single poddy and I was like I'm bringing Brad Pitt tomorrow night so I got London was buzzing with the excitement that Indra and Brad Pitt were going to go clubbing so I organised somewhere for drinks somewhere for nibbles I had a club all worked out they got the best DJs in they were making a little room for us to go I mean I spent the next 24 hours designing the best night possible. Oh, my God. So then on the Friday, we're working, we leave work, Brad Pitt's assistant asked for my phone number. Mm. 
and he said he would phone me at 10 p.m. sharp. And from there, I've given instructions of where Brad should come to and meet and have our fantastic night out. We just sit in waiting. So we we wrap at Pinewood. I get home. I've now got to decide what to wear us. Oh, my right? God, nothing. Oh, my God, well, I should have worn nothing. I should have discovered that option. But so I was going, do I go glamorous? Do I go laid back? Do I go... So I literally tried on every item of clothing because I got all dressed up. And then I was like, no, you've got to play it cooler than that. Put jeans on and just a vest, do that. And then I was like, no, you need a bit more. Oh, my God, I went through every item of clothing, as you can imagine. So clothes are being tossed left right and forth. Hair up, hair down, hair this way, that way. Oh my, every delivery and, and while doing this phoning every girlfriend and every girlfriend phoning me getting excited everyone was getting excited I mean <laughs> London was buzzing with the prospect of this night out can you feel it right you know feel you can it. feel what it's like so craziness my house my flat just clothes everywhere going mad and then I looked down at the time and it's 10 o'clock or it's gone 10 it's probably 10 past 10 quarter past 10 something mm. like that so I'm like oh my god the phone this was before mobile phones. So we only had the landline, right? Back yeah, then we yeah. didn't have mobile phones. Yeah. So I've looked at the time, it's now quarter past ten, say, and I'm like, oh my God. And I can't find the house phone. I'm looking everywhere. The house phone is under my pile of clothes and the phone is off the hook. Oh my God. And I've missed the phone call from Bad Pitt's assistant. Oh. No. And because it was landlines in those days, you couldn't find the number. There wasn't any way of, you know, all those clever things that claim in later to be able to see who had called you. We didn't have any of that. What didn't did have you, any of that. So I couldn't do? phone him back. So I couldn't do anything, Esther. So then I had to plunge into deep depression because I'm now dressed up, <laughs> fully ready to go. London's waiting. I've got DJs on hold, club owners on hold, restaurants on hold. Everyone's waiting for this moment to arrive. And the phone is off the hook under my piles of clothes. I, feel. I mean, it's tragic. I've spent the rest of my life in mourning yeah. for this night. But what was cool was when I went back to set, went back to Pinewood, Brad poked his head round and went, well, you blew me out on Friday night. And he walked away. So I think I'm the only person to blow Brad Pitt out on a hot day. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. But you know what? You did get <laughs> a lovely husband, Ollie, and Ollie's parents are beekeepers, aren't they? Yes. I so that's you... the bonus. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get Brad, but I got the bees. <laughs> okay. Well, yes. we're going to go and have a look at the bees because. Just so everybody knows, yes, I know that you've done so many wonderful um, acting jobs, and you know we always have supported each other over the years. Yes. And I love oh helping gosh, you with yes. your lines and stuff when you get a new job. And we always do this like little magic rub, don't we? Yes. If we give each yeah. other a magic rub, that means if you get a job and I give you a magic rub, or the other way around, it usually transfers. It and transfers. We help exactly. each other with we a magic rub. We transfer our positive energies. Yeah. yeah, we do. We help each other so much, Esther. Oh, I really do. And so um, you're now in Jerusalem yes. at the Apollo Theatre yes. with 
I can never say his name, Mackenzie Crook. Mackenzie Crook. Mackenzie Crook. Mackenzie, yes. I like to call him Mackenzie <laughs> Crook. And Mark Rylands. Yes. And so um, I'm going to be asking you some questions about that. But first of all, yes. we're going to try and get some honey out of the hive That's so right. you can take that to work because I promised you when you gave me and Tom a ticket to see Jerusalem, yes. I promised you that in return I'll give you some honey. And when I looked in the hive, I didn't really see any that any ripe honey. So today I was hoping to get you a bit. So I'm going to get a little lunchbox. Lovely. And hopefully we'll get three chunks out to take. Great. And we can and give it some to Mark and some to Mackenzie. Yeah, yeah lovely. And that'll be lovely. Yeah. Fantastic. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, okay. I hope Jane won't be annoyed that you're wearing her I'm suit. Wearing Jane's suit. <laughs> Thanks, Jane. I do appreciate it. <laughs> That's your suit, then. All right. Well done. Is that? Let me just check. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're this taller one? than Jane. Yeah. So you. Oh, I don't know. Am I taller than Jane? Yeah, she's ever so little. She's very little. All right. Have you been? Have you worn a suit? Have you worn a beekeeping suit before? I haven't. Never. Oh, no. Because Ollie's parents are beekeepers, aren't yes, they? Yes, they are. Have you ever seen where they've kept the bees? Yeah, in? yeah. I mean, they had one of those big old houses in Westbourne Park that they moved into in the sixties when properties like that were affordable. Mm-hmm. And they have this fantastic roof that looks over all of London. And they had all their bees up on the roof. So wow. we would go up and see the bees. But I never they never suited me up to do it. Yeah. But I would watch Ollie's mum and stepdad do the bees and pull out the thing and scrape that. And then they used to get Che and Sol when they were little to scrape all the honey off. God. So they would always get us involved. But I never got the suit on. But they always got us involved, and we always ate this amazing, beautiful London honey. And what they said was so special about it is being London honey, you get such a variety of pollens Mm. across London. So there's really unique, special, flavoursome honey. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful, which we lived on for years and years and years. It's amazing, isn't it? Because they were sort of before the trend, you know, when I... They were before the trend. That must have been when I first started beekeeping. There was only one or two urban bees beekeepers in London yeah and you know right. unbeknown to us they were ahead of the game they weren't were ahead they? Of the game. they were ahead of the game yeah. they were they were doing it way before it was a fashion and I, re- yeah, I remember at the school fair at Coleridge they used to come and sell honey they didn't used they? to come and sell honey and they would bring what's it called 
The frame. The frame. Then yeah. you bring the frame to show the kids. Do you remember? Yeah. So they did a little display and sold this beautiful honey and they used to labour it. Um, Ollie's sister is a, is an artist as well, so she did the labels for their pots of honey. And that's right, I remember washing it. We didn't throw away any jars. All our jars had to be saved for Ollie's parents. So they had all these lovely jars. So we, all the families to save all their jars, give them the jars, and then they'd give us all this amazing honey. And exactly, they'd sell it at school fairs or little local events if they could, or just give it to friends. It was this beautiful gift, rather like you're doing today, Esther. Brilliant. Come on, then, let's get our suits on. There we go, look, that fits. Yeah, that's it. So what you want to do yeah. is just so you don't get any bees flying up your trousers and into your knickers, you've got to just put your socks... Tuck them in yeah, the socks. tuck them in, yeah. yeah. I always like to... Oh, I don't want any bees in my knickers. You don't, do you? No. I do remember being stung on me. Me what sit down there when I was a little girl. Did coming, you? Yeah, coming oh down the slide. Yeah, coming down the slide as a little girl yeah. in a little pair of shorts. Yeah. And a, a, a bee was on a bee or a wasp, I don't know, I can't remember, was on the slide. And as I stood down, it went up me. Did it? Yeah. I've had two fun... That was one as a little girl. Look, <laughs> minute, you're the only other person apart from me who's been spunk... Spunked. Sorry. <laughs> you're the only other... Sorry. You're the only other person I know that has been stung on the vagina. Yeah. Oh, intro. Right, I mean, We've got so many things it. in common, haven't we? And then one in the ear. I got stung in the ear. Do you know what? I think the ear was worse. Yeah. Because a bee got stuck in my hair. Yeah. I couldn't get it out. And then it was going frantic. I was going frantic. Again, mm. I had all this hair as a little girl. Mm. And then it went in my ear and stung me in the ear. And that was unbelievably painful because it swelled up. But that's what bees do. I mean, they go... For, well, I don't think they normally go for your vagina, but obviously no. that's because that's what came first. How, did, how did yours get to your well, vagina? Well, it flew up my trousers into my knickers on, when I didn't tuck the socks in. But they often do go for your ears. Oh, um, do they? That's yeah, because a... it's sort of like they go for your senses, you know, either your eyes, your ears, your nose, because oh, that's going to really put you off. So if you were a bear, you know, and you right. got stung in the ear, you'd stop, wouldn't you? And you'd sort of get your paws and try and get it out, your big hairy right. paws. Right, so it's clever, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Did you get yeah. your big hairy paws and try and get I, it I out? did. I did. Think, I, think, I think it was my dad's hairy paws <laughs> going me and get it out. <laughs> right, I'm going to put my um, boots on and we'll just light the smoker. So, Esther, what are you doing there? What? Yeah, what so I'm just lighting the smoker thing? with my new beekeeping um, smoker from Beekeeping Supplies. It's like you get. I've got some fancy new equipment, you know. I don't normally use a lot of smoke, but so that's old news, but old yeah, it's like old, That's right, yeah. yeah. And, and you set it all alight, shove it in this Yeah, thing. put it in there. It's like a little sort of barbecue thing going on. But it just um, calms the bees a little bit when you open the hive. The smoke does. Yeah, smoke it just does. makes them feel like they've got a full tummy and they just feel a bit calmer. Oh, does it? So we, their yeah, so yeah. So, so they what they do is yes. that they go and eat lots of honey, yeah. and um, because the smoke is making them think there's going to be a forest fire, and they need to stock up with supplies in case they have to move, and then they feel calm. So then they're not going to like buzzers too much. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to put your hood up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You got all your hair. Okay. Don't want to. Yeah. 
fine. So we've both got our rubber gloves. Actually, you've got surgical gloves on, so you're ready to do an operation. Fantastic. And I've got oh, my rubber gloves and you've on. Got the so I'll do the washing up afterwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. All right, then. So come on, then. I know it's your day off today, but hopefully this is like a bee holiday. Oh, it's like a holiday. It's lovely. <laughs> so I'm just going to give them a smoke at the door. You can see them all going in and out. This morning they had a lot of pollen, but maybe they're just collecting nectar now because I can't see a lot of pollen. You see the pollen going in on their legs. They've got, like, these shopping baskets on the back of their legs. Where oh, they, really? That's yeah. where they carry it in? Yeah, they can't do it with their hands, can they? No, <laughs> no. So you come and stand here. Okay. Okay. And so what we're really looking, we're not going to be yes. doing a big investigation, but what we're really going to be looking for is a bit of honey for you to take back to the theatre, for you to use when you've got, uh, you need a bit of a pep up at work. Yeah. And, uh, and also... Voices. Yeah, so you can... Um, Maybe you, you can give a little chunk to McCrenzie and to Mark. I definitely will, yes. And, I'd um, love that. You know, maybe that means that on stage you'll get a bigger, a longer kiss from Mark For Mark Rylance, because I would have sweetened him up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you before we open the hive, yeah. so are you enjoying doing Jerusalem? Oh, Esther, I'm loving it so much. Oh, yeah. It's such an extraordinary production to be a part of. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mark Rylance, you know, I think he's one of our best in the world right now, certainly in yeah, this country. Yeah. He's such an extraordinary actor to work with and human being, mm. you know, and that's what's so special about him is how generous, how open and also how spiritual he is yeah. and how I mean being here today you know he's so deeply connected to the earth mm -hmm. and makes that a part of our process and such an important part of our process and especially Jerusalem because it's set in the forest and mm -hmm. it's a production about those people people who live outside of society yeah. you know the people who live in the forest with nature with the bees with the animals um, you know, in Jerusalem, we've got chickens on stage, tortoises. It, so it, it's special because it's, it's a masterclass in acting. Um, Ian Rickson, in the, as the director, is, is, a, is such an incredible mm. director to work with. Um, on so many levels, it's, it's an amazing piece to be part of. It brings up so many. It's such an amazing journey. And as Mark said, we're doing it to give the soul back to the people after years of awful pandemicness. It's really deeply soulful. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, if there was ever a play that could have had a beehive on stage, this it would, would be, be that, it. wouldn't it? And I think, you know, if that was possible, there would be one in it. Well, shall we see whether these bees want to go in? We'd yeah, like to be part let's of it. See if we can. <laughs> exactly. All right, girls. So I'm going to take the lid off. Okay. So Esther, when you yeah. get a hive of bees, how many do you get? How many bees? Well, at this time of year, we've they've done their major foraging. They've right. had all the lime flowers. But hold so on, Andrew, you can can you just smell the aroma? Yeah. God. It's lovely, isn't it's it? It's lovely, isn't it? I'll just put this yeah. and rich, and then that smokiness. Yeah. Oh. But it's so beautiful, the combs and the bees. It's so lovely, isn't it? Wow. 
so I'm just going to um, have a look because this colony are on a bit of a yeah. mishmash of, of comb because there was a lot of wild comb to start with. So I'm thinking if we take something like this out, oh my God, look you at can that. sort of see. There's a lot of nectar on there. Not really any. Can you see the nectar, the, the honey that they've they're more or less done? So what we can see here is a, is a lot of wild comb on a frame. So this frame hasn't got any wires in or anything. The bees have and just is made that this comb wild. Yeah, it's so just it's natural. Totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why it's so particularly beautiful, yeah. right? So we Unusual. could. We, they, they haven't finished all the honey off here. They've got they've got the caps on some of it. This bit here. But some of it is still ripening off, and they're working on that. You see these bits here. But it's still all edible, and we could potentially take a little chunk of that. It wouldn't last forever, but it's still nice and edible. So you could definitely take some of that take to work. That. So where they've covered it or capped it, I think you said. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? So they cap it when yeah. so it's almost like they've put the storage lid on. For the, right. for the winter and then it'll just it'll be all sealed and so this one isn't quite completed as you can see look yeah. but yeah. on this side it's a bit more completed and they're working at doing that yeah yeah so yeah. if we took something like that maybe yeah yeah so unbelievably beautiful isn't it yeah it's so nice it's so lovely i think it's nice as well when you see it when it's wild it's like wild this. yeah, yeah. And they're not disturbed by you. No, they seem lifting. okay, don't they? No, they yeah. seem so fine. I was just wondering. And calm. Yeah, maybe this a bit like this would be good. They've been eating some of the honey because it's been dry. Maybe they've not got so much nectar at the moment. Right. Do you know what I so mean? So they use that to drink. Yeah, yeah. Use the honey so, to drink. So they're just eating the honey, they, which is theirs. It's we only which just. Is theirs. Yeah, yeah. We, we take it off them. That's it. You're right. Don't yeah, fall into yeah, the high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 so I feel amazingly relaxed around your bees. Yeah, of course you do. You are very relaxed. And they are. Yeah. yeah. So here we've got a different colour honey. There. Can you see? Yeah. It's slightly different. Yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? This one's much lighter, lighter this honey on this. this. Yeah. Can you see that, Indra? Yes, I can. And the one before we looked was darker, it's wasn't much it? richer in colour, yeah. yeah. Oh, this one's finished on this wow, side. Wow, that's yeah. like completed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is. very different looking. Yeah. This one's not so wild comb. I think it's on a frame. But we could sort of scrape some off and put it into a box. Or do you think... Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, or... Well, I wonder whether we should take the wild comb. Um, well, I'll take your advice, Esther, whatever you think. Yeah. I think, I think we should take some of the wild comb. Yeah, that's my decision. So, what we'll do, let's have a look at this on here. Yeah. And this lid. I love this lid. So they've just done all this in the lid? No. So, no, so I had so two colonies. Yeah. I put them both together, and this was some of the comb that had sort of broken off. So so I didn't, like, waste it. I just put yeah. it in the lid, and I thought, oh, they'll sort it out. But here, look, you can see, like, how the bees are, like, drinking the honey there with their bums oh, in the yes. air. Yeah. Sticking their heads in. Yeah, yes. so we could actually... We could take a little chunk here... 
Hold on, it's a bit of a... Oh, gosh. Sometimes there is one or two casual... Oh, God, there's loads of there's them loads under there. Under Look. There. Look at them. And are they all drinking it? Yeah, yes. they are. I'm not going to take this because... Yes. They seem very busy. Some of this one, yeah. when the colonies joined together, I dropped some of the comb and there was some brood on that comb. That means there's babies in there. And I put it underneath here, but actually they've not raised the babies, but if you ate that honey, you might get a bit of an old bee in there, which you wouldn't want. So we'll go back okay. to what we thought before and we'll take this bit out. Okay. The sound is really yeah, impressive it's lovely, isn't as well. It? Yeah. Okay, so I'm just gonna brush those off into the lid and then I'm gonna try and send you back with a nice bit of honey. Do you know what's very interesting, Esther? Yeah. Being a vegan, I've been a vegan kind of, you know, most of my life, 36, yeah. 37 years. And people ask about honey. Yeah. And I've never, I've never thought about it. I always think honey is so important and so healthy and good for us. Yeah. And some vegans don't eat it. And I'm not, no. No, they don't. It's so nice. It's got so many lovely properties. And we're so lucky that bees okay. make so much of it. Yes. In fact, it feels very special to be privy to all their activity and this close to them, Esther. Oh. It really does. You feel like you're being invited to a kind of inner circle. I'm like, I'm very lucky to witness this. Well, they're God. so happy to meet you. Hold that honey there. Thank you. You hold that while I put the lid on. It's heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it really wow. is. Look at the weight of that. All right, girls. Yeah. That's it. Perfect. So, when do bees start to fly? When they're about three weeks old. Oh, really? So, the first three weeks of their life, they're just. They're busy doing things inside, like right. cleaning, lots of cleaning. And, uh, oh, look, this is a wax moth. Can you see it? So what yeah, the, yeah, the natural yeah, thing is, is that uh, all yeah. the, the wax moth, any sort of decay or disease or anything in the hive, the wax moth eats all the wax and basically just clears it all off so then the bees can all start fresh. And a lot of beekeepers get oh, rid brilliant. of the wax moth. And if you've got a massive amount of it, it's a good idea to get rid of it. But one or two wax moth... You know, actually, very helpful. Yeah, well, they right. just get rid of old, manky old wax that the bees don't want. And this is a drone. You hear all this noise? Yeah. That's a drone, very loud. He's no loud, sting. Isn't but it's obviously been out on a mating. There's, oh, look, yeah. Been made, trying to find a queen to mate with today and it's just on its way back. Come on, then. Let's go and see all if right. we can put this in. Do you want to carry that? Let's go and see whether we can put this in a tub for you. Yeah, because I'm not this. This colony um, probably hasn't got loads of honey. I mean, there was another box of honey underneath this one. Right. So I know there's lots of honey in there. So I'm just going to take a little bit. A little bit. And I'm going to yeah. give. I'm going to give you all a little jar. So I'll, I'll cram it into the jar. Okay. But what you've got to remember yeah. Yeah. is that you can eat the wax. And uh, yeah. so say that to Mackenzie and Mark. I will do, yeah. There's a bit in the play that I really loved when Johnny, that's Mark's character, yes. um, said about what he saw in the woods. Yeah. And he talked about bees and 
I just wondered if you could remember any of the things that he said. Yeah, let's have a quick look. Yeah, so it's so beautiful and it comes at the end of the play, doesn't it? After you spent the three hours in the forest. Yeah. And he talks about all the beautiful, moving things he's seen. And your character has been on, because your character com- comes on halfway through, doesn't she? Yes, exactly. And she's sort of, she's, he's old news for her, but he's still lodged in her heart, isn't he? Yeah, well, she's the mother of his child. Mm. And in that final speech, he talks, he remembers when he saw her give birth, mm. holding on to one of the trees in the forest. And they're, yeah, they're deeply connected. Life isn't practical, so they can't continue together. But I think there's deep love there. Mm. And birthing your child in the forest of which you live in is a very profound and moving thing, isn't it? As someone who loves nature and wants to live in nature and to birth your child in that wilderness is just... So lovely, isn't oh, it? Oh, it makes me cry when I hear him well, say it at the end of the play. I find well, it really... Well, you and me both natural well, birth mums, Both natural birth mums, But we didn't yeah. do it in the forest, did we? No, not quite. But we would have, we wouldn't would've. we? We would have. And if we could do it again, I would. <laughs> <laughs> and if we had your honey afterwards... You know, a girl oh my in my um, above me at college, she moved to Italy after she left Rada and she had a baby in a barrel. It was like in a, you know, like a water butt. That's amazing, isn't oh, it? No. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's the same as how we have the birthing pools. Yeah. She's just done it naturally outside. Know. Isn't it wonderful? So what did he see then in so those woods? So what did he see? He says he's seen a lot of strange things in the wood. A plague of frogs, of bats, of bees. I've seen a rainbow hit the earth and set fire to the ground. I see the air go still and all sounds stop and a golden stag clear the clearing. When we started Jerusalem, what was so extraordinary about this play... So we've done two or three days in the rehearsal room Mm -hmm. in town and then Mark said he wanted to take us to a forest in Wiltshire. Mm-hmm. So we set off for this day and we took us to this most beautiful forest and he'd given us a list of special things to take, corn flour, white flour, little bit of tobacco, little bit of alcohol, beautiful decorations that had to be organic that could go back into the earth, anything we thought was beautiful that, but would deteriorate naturally. And he gave us all this list and we didn't really know why. And we went to the forest And he sent the young crew from our cast out to find the most beautiful spot. And when we found the most beautiful spot, he told us that the cornflower would reflect the sun, the white flower would reflect the moon, the alcohol was a gift. I can't remember what tobacco represented, but everything represented something. And he told us to all go off silently and make peace with the earth, to give back to the earth, to give these things back to the earth. And at that point, so we all did it privately and, and in any, our own little rituals. Mm. And me having lost my mum when I was a young girl, mm. I made this offering to my mum in the ground with all these beautiful things, which, oh my God, was so moving. And we all came back, he called us back, and everyone had shifted. Everyone had been affected mm. by the connection of the earth. And it suddenly levelled us all Mm. and we were all one people and then he gathers us together and then together in silence we built mother nature 
with the sticks and stones and moss and leaves and petals from this forest. And together we built this incredible woman out of all these materials. And we did it in science and no one spoke, so again it was organically created. And then Mark had this amazing, amazing African fabric which he'd torn and he bound, decorated this creature, this woman we'd made. And he said, now we've given to Mother Nature, we all know that the Earth loves us. And if we know the Earth loves us, we can do anything. And therefore we can begin this journey into Jerusalem. And that's how we started. I mean, it was such a magical and grounding and rooting way to start a piece of art, to start a production. Do you think you're in a cult? Because <laughs> if you are, I want to join. You want it. to join? It's a very nice cult. Come on, let's. Run I out. mean, I think let's... it's the nicest cult there can be. Why don't we just slather ourselves in honey and run down to oh, the Oh yes, <laughs> it can be delicious and wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> oh, glorious! Yeah. So Mark's gonna. We're all gonna love this honey because oh. it goes right back to the heart of, of really... what we're doing. So nice, Indra. Well, let's see if I can scoop a bit off. I want to try and do it slightly elegantly. So, let's so this see. has all been beautifully capped yeah. by the bees. So that means so it's we know all, it's all full of honey. So it's that means it's all ready and ripe, and all the water, the nectar, has been taken out. So we'll do a, a bit of a s- scrape. We'll take that. Who do you think's Ooh, the... Look at that. Oh, yeah, look. Oh, my God. Hold on. Oh, look at that. I don't normally do it with the... That's it with it. That's it. Right, I don't want to put... If it was just you, I'd put yeah. my fingers on it, but because it's Mark and Mackenzie, I've got oh, to I try and... Oh, I don't think fingers. Don't you think? No. no I do. No. don't know me, though, no, don't they? but the, this is Mark. Mark's just made us build Mother Nature and <laughs> touch the earth. It's all about that. Oh, it looks so... Now, if Jane was here now, she'd be a bit jealous of this. Why? Because she's so greedy and she Is just she? loves honey, yeah. Oh, God. Right, so do you think that's enough for one dollar? Can I put my finger in it? You can lick that spoon. Can I? Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't, I can't resist it. Come on, then. Oh, my God, that's so delicious. Oh, my God, the flavour of that, <laughs> Esther. <laughs> Oh, my God, and you can feel it going through your veins, can't you? Feel it right through your body. <laughs> Bloody hell, that is so good. So there's one dollop. Oh, my God, I can see why Jane wants to eat it all. Yeah, let's get another dollop then. It's delicious, Esther. Oh, my, my, that's the thing, isn't it? The difference with what you get in the supermarket and what you oh, get from fresh, from your hive. Exactly. Oh I'm going to get a clean spoon to be hygienic. It feels so good for you, <gasps> oh, doesn't it? Oh, just feels like pure goodness oh, is going into your body. <gasps> right, well, the bees know what they're doing. Oh, look, oh, it's a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> you can choose the biggest jar. I'll have the biggest jar. Because, as you know, in the theatre, we all live on honey for our voices. Yes, of course. 
Mm. We're licking oh. it off Esther's kitchen top <laughs> and it's absolutely <laughs> delicious. How good is that? Lovely, that is. So they'll clean off all this honey and they'll go flipping it. We made all that and then they've messed it all up. They'll mm. clean all oh, that right. off and then they might leave that now uh, right. or they might build up the wax and then fill it up again. We'll just have to see what have they to do. See what they but I doubt yeah. very much if they'll fill it with honey again. But so it's... again, these being London bees, yeah. is this a mixture of pollens then? As well? Yeah, probably the main of this is like lime flower blackberries, because um, there's loads of blackberries around blackberries, here, and they're yeah. all over the top field yeah, and all everywhere. that. But also, I noticed the other day when I was up at the allotment, there was a lovely eucalyptus tree. And it was full in flower, and there was bees on every single flower. So I don't think this is eucalyptus because it was only last week I saw the eucalyptus right. flower. This is more likely to be lime, lime honey. Wow! I just hold on. It's got that tang, but also got it's got a like a tang. It's a, a linden tree, but it has got a very citrus, yeah. sort of acidic flavour. Flavour, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. But it's yum scrum, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's really uplifting. It is. It's singy. Indra, there's mm. something else I wanted to ask you about uh, because I know that you are the daughter of a knight. <laughs> <laughs> I that... am now, yes. So what are you like... The Duchess of I'm like Lady End. Knight. I'm like, <laughs> everyone has to curtsy for me now. Ooh, I think <laughs> I will then. A little curtsy for you, Indra. <laughs> what does it feel like being the daughter of a knight? Well, it feels quite extraordinary. <laughs> Can you tell us how your dad... How we've, we've got yeah, to this Horace status. became a knight. very bizarre to everyone in our family. Yeah, so my dad, Horace... It's a very funny name. Um, was the first black film director in in Britain, in the UK. Horace came to England from from Trinidad. My mm-hmm. dad's from Trinidad and Tobago. He grew up in a, a very small, interesting, poor, offbeat part of Trinidad called Belmont, and. He came to Britain just after the Windrush, just following the Windrush. Um, and he came, he left Trinidad wanting to be a film director. He'd grown up in Trinidad and he got a taste for film because there was a huge American airbase in Trinidad. Mm. And as a kid, they would climb up the wall of the airbase and watch the films that were being screened for all the American soldiers. Oh, wow. So all they had a giant screen set up to entertain the soldiers that were over there. And Horace and his mates, as little kids, would climb up on the wall and watch these films. And he got exposed to incredible cinema via these Americans. And it wasn't... What he always said was fascinating is it wasn't only American films. They were showing European films. And my dad, as a very (laughs) young kid in Trinidad, got turned on to Fellini, an extraordinary artist by watching these films on American Airbase. Amazing. So he got this kind of education without really knowing and so was inspired. Also, he's, you know, Trinidad has a lot, has a lot of artistry and culture and carnival. And so with the combination of all those things and these film education he was getting, he came to Britain wanting to be a film director. Now, we're talking late 50s. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't really letting young black people arrive on a boat 
make films. Mm. So he obviously arrived here and worked in a hospital. He he was given the job of cleaning the dead bodies and at the bottom of the hospital in a mortuary, oh, and then went off to work on an oil rig and all of that. Eventually, my dad met my mum, who is English Irish, and she helped him to navigate his his desires and go to film school. He was the first black film director in this country to make the first film about black people in this country, which was about the Windrush generation. He was the first black director at the BBC and made all these incredible films with no money, no help, no support, fighting against the system, showing what was happening to the West Indian population in this country. He went on to make a lot of documentaries. He's always been very anti-establishment. And so, you know, however many years later, he's knighted in in 2022, (laughs) which is is extraordinary for someone like that, whose films were, as I say, anti-establishment, showing up the faults of the British Empire and et cetera. And here we were with Prince William, what's it, about two weeks ago? in Buckingham Palace with this great, you know, sword being placed on my dad's shoulders. Bless him. I think, <laughs> I think he, he took it with great knowledge and irony, mm-hmm. but also great joy because Horace was always about the bigger picture and breaking down doors mm-hmm. and opening the doors for other people. He, you know, was incredibly conscious of that. And so this is seen as, you know, we need icons, don't we? Mm-hmm. We need people to look up to. It's really important. Yeah, and he's it's, such an icon. He's such yeah. an icon. And it's so important to, to have, uh, you know, people celebrated so the youth and next generations can see that mm-hmm. and have that. So this has been very important for that. Yeah. You know, to be a pillar of excellence for everybody else, and uh, and it, it's been such a celebration, and the response has been incredible. Aww. But it was rather funny again. And but we had Prince William, which was a delight, <laughs> and he was really, yeah, he was he was fantastic. Actually, it was an amazing day. It was an amazing day. Oh, and we're yeah, we're very very thrilled. And as the children, we get the right to get married in Westminster Abbey, so maybe we have to go and get married. Oh, yeah, that could be good. What, to Brad Pitt, Yeah, to Brad Pitt, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ollie would be a bit miffed. I think he'd be a bit bit miffed, yeah. But, you know. But, you know. I'm sure we won't mind just for the day. (laughs) So we'll have another another spoonful of honey, Indra, and we'll say goodbye. There you go. Oh, my God, it's just dripping off this. Oh, I hair. Mm. Oh, lovely. Oh, Esther, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to have you on the show, and I hope you'll come back again. Oh, I'd love to. Well, I get to eat more honey. Oh, yeah, and you oh, can bring yeah. you can bring McFrenzy and Mark. You can bring <laughs> you can bring Horace. You can night, bring night, Ollie Horace. Brad. You can bring um, bring them all. We can bring them all, and they we? can all like stand and peer into the hive and, and fall into it and eat lots of honey. So, oh. thank you, Indra. Oh. Thank you so much. Oh, you are lovely. Oh, it's delicious. And I'll call you. Queen Bees is written and created by Esther Coles and Jane Horrocks. It is produced by Claire Broughton, Andy Goddard and John Wakefield. Our title music is Sweet Nothing by Amy May Ellis and Will Cookson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Queen Bees Pod for pictures and videos from the hive. Queen Bees is a hat trick podcast. Just a hat-trick.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.